Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. All right, let's jump into uh, week two of uh, Kill the Spider. Uh, let me uh, let me let me make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, so that we all know what we're talking about when we talk about spiders and cobwebs. Um, spider, a spider is. It's the definition is going to be on the screen. Uh, let's go to the first slide. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The spider is a lie spoken over us that God never intended us to agree with. A lie spoken over you. It might be it might be by your parents, by grandparents, by an uncle, an aunt. It might have been by a coach, a teacher. It might be yourself. You're, you're telling yourself lies that God never intended you to agree with. As the video said just a second ago, last week we looked at insecurity and the lie of I am never blank. Whatever we put in that blank, I'm never blank enough. And that creates in our lives behaviors. Uh, cobwebs are behaviors that result from believing the lie that we were never meant to believe. Cobwebs are behaviors that, that we get caught up in. And in fact, Christianity spends a whole lot of time cleaning out the cobwebs. Uh, that's a lot of what our energy as Christians, uh, a lot of our energy goes and is dedicated to cleaning out the cobwebs. Or another way of putting it, uh, Christianity has become in many circles nothing more than behavior modification. Uh, let me let me clean out the cobwebs, and that's important. Don't get me wrong. Like you gotta, nobody wants a house full of cobwebs, and so you gotta do some cleaning. But what the the, the beauty of Christianity is, it's not behavior modification. It's whole life transformation, becoming someone new, becoming who God called me to be, becoming who God created me to be. So it's not just modifying my behavior. It's experiencing the presence of God and being transformed from faith to faith, from grace to grace, to glory to glory. And so that's what Christianity is all about. So today we're going to continue that, uh, talking about kill the spider. And I know that's an interesting uh, title for a series, but let's just roll with it. Matter of fact, look at somebody beside of you and say, kill the spider. Now, 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 uh, check out, we got darker. There we go. I like the brighter. Let's stay with the brighter, because uh, he's like, ah. Um, uh, Pope goes, oh, I was going to ask you to turn to the best-looking person beside of you and tell them, kill the spider. I got somebody in trouble right there. Somebody's in trouble. I'm sorry, it's my fault. We're trying to call Karen. Oh, okay. We couldn't see it. Oh, no worries. Hey, so if your number comes on the screen, make sure you go check out what you have happening to your kid. NYQ? We got it. We got it. It's cool. All right. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, somebody might have got a date out of that, too. So if you did, let us know on Facebook. All right. Uh, So let's just jump into this, all right? Uh, Today, we're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about the spider of fear, how to face your fear, um, how how to feel fear Deep in the very, like, the, the very uh, pit of your stomach in your life, and then what to do about it. If, if lying is the spider's native language, fear is the soundtrack that it lives by. Fear is, is title track number one, greatest hits by the spider. You play fear, and this is the number one track that fear plays over and over. The simple, simple question what if? It's two words. And the spider will speak that to you and begin creating all sorts of different fears in your life just by singing the song, what if? You start, you decide, you know what? 
I'm not going to wait for the new year. I'm going to start something new today. I'm going to, I'm going to start something new today. And all of a sudden, the spider will creep up behind you and be like, what if you look stupid? And you're like, what if I do? What if, what if everyone else knows how to do the thing that I'm trying to do? And, and, and I'm so far behind. And the reality is I'll probably suck at it anyway. So what if I do something new? Or, or, or let's say, you know, I want to I wanna ask a question about something. And the spider will say, what, what if everybody thinks you're an idiot? I mean, everybody probably actually already knows that. The thing that, you don't, that you're not sure about, that's probably basic knowledge to everybody else. What are they going to think of you if you say that? You want to do something kind for others. Somebody else, and you're like, well, what if they take advantage of me? What if I do this and nobody notices? And so what happens is as soon as you have this idea, uh, the, the, the spider will start whispering to you, what if? And, and, and listen, fear operates on a global scale. Like we're afraid of, of, of things we can't do anything about. We're afraid of terrorist attacks. We're afraid of cancer. We're afraid of things we have no control over, but we're also afraid of things that we do control. We're afraid of opening an email because we're not sure what the contents of the email are, and it might be bad news. So what if it is bad news? What am I going to do about it? I don't want to accept that project at work, which might result in my promotion, because what if I fail? And the spider speaks to us and creates this fear. And not only does fear drag our thinking down to worst case scenario, because that's how fear plays. That's the way the song goes. What if is never a good question. It's always what if the very worst thing happens? but it also keeps us from some really great things. What if I give generously and then I get to the end of the month and I don't have enough for myself? See how fear will, fear will drag your thinking down to worst case scenario, but it'll also keep you outside of the, of the blessings of God. What if, what if I go out of my way? Nobody pays attention. What if, I, what if I tell them what's really going on? What if I tell them how I feel and I have a conversation to try to repair the relationship and they turn it around on me and it's worse than it was before? What if I... What if, what, what, what if, what if, what if? What, what parent has not been uh, paralyzed by the question, what if, when your teenage kid is out for the first time with their driver's license? Right? And it's just, it's just telling, it's speaking to you the whole time, well, what if? What if, what if, what, what parent hasn't been frozen by fear when your newborn child, the fever won't go down, the doctor's not returning your call, and the, and the Tylenol's not working, and you're going out of your mind, you're like, oh my gosh, their fever is still 104, 105, I don't know what to do, nothing's working, what if? It happens, what single person hasn't felt anxiety when their birthday comes and goes and there's still no prospect on the horizon? And after all, I'm already 21. <laughs> what if they don't call? What if they do call? What if I don't get the job? What if I do get the job? See, fear, fear is like a big black hole of nothingness that just wants to suck your joy, your peace, your hope into itself if you get too close. It will, it will suck everything into the black hole. So what do we do? When, when fear starts singing to us the song, what if? What do we do? How do we, how do we cope? How do we get to the other side of that? Because most of us think the answer, the solution to the what if question is is, is what we end up doing is we, we entertain it for a little bit and then we're just like, oh, no, 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 that's not what happened. Yeah. 
That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's just, we think that the solution is just eternal positivity. And I want to share with you today that that's not it. That's not the way that you conquer fear. That's not how we overcome fear. If you have the Bible, I want you to open up to Acts chapter 28. I want to talk about a guy who knew a thing or two about fear. He went a few rounds with the spider of fear, and he came out victorious on the other side. Acts chapter 28, we're going to read the first five verses. If you don't have a Bible, uh, look at the big screen behind me. We'll talk about the Apostle Paul. And uh, let me kind of, because we're coming in at the very end of the story, and so I want to, I want you to make sure, I want to make sure you're kind of on the, everybody, we're all tracking the same direction. So this story uh, features the Apostle Paul, and he is a prisoner. He's actually been arrested for preaching about Jesus, and he's been in prison for a long time, and eventually he gets so frustrated that he appeals to Caesar, because as a Roman citizen, he had that right. He could have his case heard before Caesar in Rome. And so he does that. And now, as a prisoner, he's on a boat headed to Rome. And he actually tells the people, he says, hey guys, winter's coming, uh, and we should probably find uh, a harbor, a place to winter uh, for the next few months. But they don't listen to him because he's a preacher, not a pilot. And so uh, they just decide to sail on. And, uh, and they get caught in a storm. This hurricane-like storm just brews up out of nowhere and just starts ramming the boat and it's being tossed and, and everything's getting, you know, beaten and, and battered and they start throwing the cargo overboard and it's just, they, they, they come to the point where they think, we're going to die. Like, we are going to lose our life in the middle of this. And, and one night, an angel comes and visits Paul. And it's like, Paul, everything's going to be okay. You're going to make it to Rome. Everybody's going to make it to Rome as long as they follow exactly what you tell them to do. And so they start getting close. They, they think they're getting close to, a, to land, an island or something. And uh, the soldiers actually think, well, you know what? We got a boat full of prisoners. We should probably just execute them all and worry about it later because they're going to go crazy once we get like in the water. But uh, the centurion really liked Paul. And so the centurion said, that's not really a great idea. Uh, and Paul's like, actually, if you kill me, y'all are all dying. So don't do that. Um, and they don't. They, they decide to spare everybody. And, and, and the ship starts breaking apart. And they say, just swim for shore. And they start swimming. And the people who can't swim are holding on to little pieces of the boat. And they're, they're just kicking their legs, doggy paddling. However they get to the shore, they all get there safely. Everybody, I think there's 276 of them. They get there safely. And there's so much in this passage. Passage. Oh, gosh, I wish I had like four hours just to preach this passage to you because it's so rich and full. I think I've preached it like five times in the last two years. In fact, preached the passage in August in a, in a, in a sermon titled, uh, Do You Make the Boat Better? And so uh, we're talking about, you know, do you make your boat better? Is the boat worse off because you're in it? Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's focus in on uh, Acts chapter 28. Uh, they get to shore. And here's the thing about fear. Here's the thing about fear. Fear loves to attack you when you're on the other side of safety. This is what I've learned over the last couple of months. Fear loves to find you when you're vulnerable, and you're never more vulnerable than the, on the other side of a battle. Like, you'll fight a battle, and then that one will end. You know, you're like, okay, I get to breathe a little bit. I'm going to relax. I'm going to let my guard down. And that's when fear attacks, and you don't see it coming. And it, and, it, and it hits you upside of the head. And that's what happens in this passage, except Paul was not caught off guard. Check this out. Uh, verse 1. Let's just read through it. I'm going to recap it, and I'm going to offer you three thoughts on how to uh, overcome fear. Here we go. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. 
They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Now when we come to chapter 28, the book of Acts, it's the last chapter. And expecting kind of like, okay, we've come through the shipwreck. We're on the other side. They found a beach. Find your beach. Let's have a party, right? And, we, and we're expecting like good news. But that's not what happens because this is not a Christian cruise and there's no Gaither vocal band in sight. They're, 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 in, a, they're in a world hurt, but it doesn't start out that way. In fact, it starts out, let's look at verse 2 again. Verse 2 says that the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Of course they did. They built them a fire. You know what I mean? Like they, they built a fire and they welcomed them because it was raining and cold. Because that's what God does. Like I, I find this awesome. Like, like God will have people waiting on you on the other side of the, of the fight. So that you're encouraged. Like God has a way, a, a strategy. When you're on the other side of the storm, and even though it might still be raining and it still might be cold, God will strategically position people in your life to show you kindness when you need it the most. And that's what happens for Paul. He, he sees the islanders, and they, 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 they're, they're kind. They build a fire, and then they show them kindness. And that'll happen for your life. Like, I think some of you are here just for that reason. I think, I think today you're on the other side of a storm in your life. And so you decided to come to church today. And, and God has strategically positioned you here so that someone will show you kindness on the other side of your battle. But that's not the end of the story. In fact, Paul, he's a helpful guy. He wants to be of assistance. He wants to be, he wants to respond to their kindness in a kind of a noble way. So he thinks, I'm going to help out. I'm going to go get some brushwood. So he goes and gets a pile of wood. And just as he grabs it, a snake lashes out and latches on to Paul's hand. I hate snakes. They, they're not right. They are evil and of the death. They can walk, they can like move, but they don't have any legs. That's just the devil, okay? How many of you are scared of snakes? Lift your hand. You're scared of snakes. Those of you with your hands lifted up, look at the people who don't have their hand up and ask them, why are you stupid? <laughs> snakes are scary, man. I hate snakes. Oh, hate snakes so bad. That, I, I'm glad I am not Paul. Dude. It's just, <sighs> Paul's trying to be helpful. He's trying to build the fire because it's raining. It's cold. Wood's going to burn. It's going to burn up. So he's trying to throw more wood on the fire. He ends up getting bit by a snake. I just wanted to point this out. We'll come back to this a little bit later. But uh, whenever you light a fire, don't be surprised when the snakes come out. Whenever you light a fire in your life, whenever you start pursuing God with passion, Whenever you start, you, you, you start kind of like bringing it together and you start burning bright, don't be surprised that the snakes will come out and try to latch on to you. As soon as you make a decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. Don't be surprised if distractions, people don't start coming into your life. Hey, you want to do this? You want to go hang out here? You don't need to go to church that morning. You need to come hang out with me because that's what snakes do. <laughs> They're driven out by the heat. So when you turn the heat up in your life, don't be surprised. The snake comes out and tries to attach itself 
to your life, to your faith, to your joy. The same fire that warmed Paul and the other, the other, the other uh, you know, shipmates is the same fire that drives the snake out that wanted to kill him. Verse 4 says the islanders saw it and they started talking to each other, which is exactly what church committees do, right? Like something bad happens, a problem, well, we need to meet about it and diagnose your problem. Who's helping Paul get the snake off his hand? they just watching. Well, I'll tell you what your problem is. My problem is I got a snake hanging on my hand and you're not doing anything about it. My problem. That's what I would have told him. Paul doesn't do that. He just, he just shakes it off. It's crazy. I'm curious because Luke, the author of Acts, he's a medical doctor. He's an incredibly intelligent guy. And uh, I'm wondering how he'll describe the snake bite because this is right up his, his avenue, man. Like he lo- he's a medical doctor. He's going to describe all the gory detail. But look at verse 5 again. He just says, but Paul shook the snake off in the fire, suffered no ill effects. The official title for today's message is the spider of fear. You ready for the unofficial title? Shake the snake and feed the fire. Shake the snake and feed the fire. I want you to learn how to shake the snake. Now, I know the metaphor of the series is kill the spider. Today, I want you to shake the snake. Shake the snake and feed the fire because Paul just shakes it off. He looks at the snake and he's like, oh, you too? What's this about? And he just shakes it off because he knew God didn't bring me this far through a shipwreck that I would die from a snake bite. Get off of me. I feel the anointing of Taylor Swift on me. Shake it off. Right? Some of y'all just need to shake it off. Say shake it off. Shake it off. We all need to shake it off. I want to, I want to show you how to shake it off this morning. Uh, I got three, three phrases, three phrases for you how to shake it off. Here's the first one. You're not going to see this one coming. Here's the first one. What if? I thought that was what the spider said. It is. It's also the first thing you need to say when you shake the snake. What if? It all begins with the same question because here's the deal. Most of the what ifs that the spider will speak to you never actually happen. Right? It just deals in, in, in hypothesis. It just deals in imagination. In fact, worry and fear oftentimes is nothing more than a down payment on a problem that you and I will never have. But we still have to ask the question, what if? Because here's the deal. Most of the time, worst case scenario won't happen. But it might. It, it could. It probably won't. But it might. It might. So what if? Now, I know that's not the churchiest answer. We're not the churchiest church. (laughs) Just being real. Because here's what I know in my life. I could spend my whole life going, it ain't going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Think positive, think positive, think positive. And it happens. And I get crushed. Because I never actually dove into what if? See, I used to think that the, the way you fought fear is that you just, that, that, that you re- resisted, that you just pushed back. Like, it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. But the truth is, man, sometimes it does. So what do you do? What do you do when it does happen? It's good to face the fear eyeball to eyeball sometimes and just stare it down and ask the question, what if? Probably won't, but it might. So what if? So instead of avoiding what if, here's what I'm telling you to do. I want you to dive headfirst into what if. I want you to take the deep dive into what if because the first thing we need to do is identify the fear. Is it an illogical fear? Is it an irrational fear? Is it, is it something I can do nothing about? Or is it something I can take action on, right? Like, like what if, 
you know, is it just inconvenient? I left my, what if I left my wallet in the restaurant? Well, okay, that's inconvenient, but I can get through that. Or is it, is it like, you know, unthinkable? What if she's late because she was in an accident, right? So we have to, we have to access the nature of the fear and diagnose it for what it is. And sometimes what we want to do is we want to run away from fear instead of, instead of playing it out. And that's, the, that's number two. So you ask, what if, and the second thing you come, the second thing you say is that would. So you face the fear, you dive into the fear, you don't reject it, you don't run away from it. Actually, let's play this out. Okay, what if the car repair bill is more than I can afford? Well, that would be inconvenient. And that would make life really difficult. And I'd have to figure out how to get the kids from school, and I'd have to figure out how to get to work, and I'm usually late anyway, and I don't even know if anybody will want to pick me up. So what if I can't get my car fixed? Well, that would be really difficult. What if, what if the person that I trust the most leaves me and I have no one to confide in? Well, that would probably be the loneliest season of my life. And I don't know how I would make it through. I'd probably feel like I couldn't go on. What if that would? Because, because you can't be afraid to stare the pain and see it for what it is. If you're continually in denial, like that doesn't exist, that's never going to happen. Pretending it's there doesn't help. What if? Well, that would. And the key is not to get stuck there. Okay? It's a three-part strategy, not a two-part strategy. The key is to look at fear right in the face, diagnose it, understand the pain, assess the fear, but don't obsess about the fear. You know what I'm saying? Like, like identify the fear, acknowledge the pain, and then number three, breathe in this promise. So, so uh, what if? That would. God will. See, that's where you got to go. What if, what if, what if, it, it probably won't happen, but, but what if it does? That would, God will, somehow, some way, I know that God will be there for me. I'm going to dive to the bottom of this pain, and I know that God will be there waiting on me. So what if I can't get the car fixed? Well, that would be inconvenient. But, but God will see me through. God, this isn't impossible for God. God split the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk on dry ground. God could take care of this, right? What if? What if the person that I trust the most leaves me? Well, that would be incredibly lonely. But God would still be there for me. God said he would never leave me or forsake me. God said he would go with me to the very ends of the world. God will be there if everyone else leaves me. You see what the spider wants to do, that the snake wants to do? The snake wants to trap you in the feeling of, I hate my life, <laughs> This is the worst. Why does this always happen to me? And just leave you. The, 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 the spider, the snake, wants to leave you with just this, this feeling of fear. Never to actually do anything about it. So you've got to work the process. You've got to work the process. What if it does? Well, that would be horrible. It would be the worst time of my life. And God will... See me through. It's probably not going to happen, but what if it does? What if it does happen? Then God would be there because he's God of the valley too. He's not just God on the mountain. 
He's God deep in the valley. The, the psalmist said that, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes I got to walk through the valley. Sometimes I got to walk through a dark season of life. Sometimes I've got to, I've got to walk through death. But what does the psalmist go on to say? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I, what if? Well, that would be death. That would be dark. That would be hard. But God, you'll be with me. God will protect me. God will restore my joy. God will give me peace. God will lead me to victory. God will be my help. God will be my victory. Come on. God will bring new life into me. God will be there. God will draw me close. God will send his angels to protect me. I don't have to be afraid. I'm not denying fear. I'm not rejecting fear. I'm not, I'm not avoiding fear. I'm staring fear in the face and saying, even if you do bite me, it might be hard, but God's got me. God will take care of me. And that's how you shake the snake. What if? Well, that would. But God will. God will provide. God's never, God's never left me left me out. God's never forsaken me. God's always been there for me. God's been my friend when everyone else betrayed me. God's been my confidant when I didn't have anybody else I could trust. God's been my provider when I had nothing else. God will, God will take care of me. And that's how you shake the snake. And that's the main course of the sermon because we only got about five minutes left. But that's not the whole thing. This next part's really just a dessert. Okay, if you think about the sermon like a meal because I love food. <laughs> This is like the dessert. That's shake the snake. Now I want to tell you how to feed the fire. I, I don't want you to just defeat fear. I don't want you to just overcome fear. I want you to make fear fearful of ever trying to bite you again. And that's the way you do that. Listen to me. The way you do that is you feed the fire. You shake the snake and then you feed the fire. I want you to notice something. Let's throw verse 5 back up there. I want you to notice something that Paul does. We made reference to it a second ago. But this is, this is like, this is overcoming fear ninja style. This is so brilliant. Okay? Notice what Paul does. He, he shakes the snake back into the same fire that made it come out to begin with. I want you to overload fear. I want you to make the devil pay for ever trying to creep fear up on you and latch onto you to put fear in your path. So here's how you do that. You shake the snake and you feed the fire. Well, what if? Well, that would and God will, but you don't stop there. You go from God will to God is. Here, here's what you did. This is, I'm telling you, this is like ninja Christianity here, okay? You, you allow the very thing that's freaking you out to be a catalyst for you to worship God. You let your worship turn fear into faith because the most powerful weapon you have access to is not, it's, it, it's not your Bible, although your Bible is awesome. It's not your friends, although they'll be there for you in a pinch. The most powerful weapon you have access to as a Christian is the weapon of praise. It's the weapon of worship. It's the weapon that takes your fear off of your circumstance and puts it on God. And it goes, well, what if that happens? Well, that would be horrible. But God will take care of me because he's never left me. He is my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Nisi, the banner of victory over me. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God, my peace. Lord, I worship you right now, God, in the midst of this state by because you said you would always protect me and you said you would always be there for me and when you do that 
you freak fear out? How do you beat somebody like that? How do you defeat somebody that's that crazy? Who takes the very thing that tries to kill you and turns it into a catalyst to worship God? Fear can't, fear, fear, fear don't want to mess with that kind of person. Fear doesn't want to mess with that kind of Christian who takes the very, who takes the attack of the enemy and turns it around to bring God praise. It reminds me of, of, of 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1 verses 6 and 7. Paul is talking, he's writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy's going through some tough times and Paul tells him this. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Feed the fire, Timothy. I know that your, your world is getting chaotic, but you got to feed the fire which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And check this out, verse 7. For the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Timid. You got to shake the snake. Does it make us timid? You got to shake the snake. But it gives us power. You got to feed the fire. You got to shake the snake and you got to feed the fire. You got to fan the flame with worship and praise and, and enter into the presence of God where all the other troubles just fade out. Because here's what I want you to understand. Those of you who have surrendered your life to Jesus, there is so much power in you that you have access to. Scripture says that the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. You are powerful. You can get bit by fear and still just shake it off. I'm just going to shake that off. Matter of fact, I'm going to shake that off into the same fire that drove it out. I'm just going to shake it off. And that's when people around you will take notice. That's when the people around your life, they'll see God working in your life. When you're able to just shake the snake and feed the fire. So when fear comes around, slithering around. Because it's coming out because you, you, you're surrendering your life to Jesus. You're pursuing his will for your life, his, his promise in your life. You're, you're, you're chasing after him. So the snake's with slithering out to try to stop you before you ever get to the purpose that he's called you to. Paul's destination was not Malta. It was Rome. And the, the, the enemy was trying to stop him before he ever got to his destination because that's what the enemy will try to do. The enemy will try to stop you before you get where God's taking you. So you got to shake the snake. Feed the fire. Shake the snake. Feed the fire. How do I overcome fear? I shake the snake. What if that would, God will. And I feed the fire. Well, if God will, then God is. If God will see me through, then he is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. If God will be my help, then I will turn my eyes up to the Lord from where my help comes. My help comes from him. If, 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 God, will, if God will guide me, then I'm just going to worship him because the Lord is my shepherd. If I just remain in him, God, God, will, God will, will, will help me grow because he is my vine. See what I'm saying? Shake the snake, feed the fire. That's how you overcome fear. Shake the snake, feed the fire. Let me ask you one question and then we'll close. What are you forfeiting in your life right now? What are you, what are you forfeiting in your life right now because of the bite of fear has sunk its teeth into your faith? You were pursuing God. Things were going great. You were chasing after him. The snake came out, bit you, and now it's shaking you. What are you forfeiting right now? Because fear has its teeth in your faith. Shake the snake. Feed the fire. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.